Good morning, afternoon, and evening. Welcome to the 8311 Cast, episode 20 of the 8311 Cast, featuring your hosts Kyle Mersch, Mike Ludwig, and Wyatt Teeter. And this is a very special episode because the 8311 Cast has now beat teen pregnancy. Woo! Yeah! We made it! We made it, you guys! Yay! Kyle, you don't sound very enthused about this fact. That's because Kyle wanted a baby. I wanted a podcast baby. Oh, uh, what? This is our podcast baby. Yeah. Well, but, wait. What? But what? we beat. Te- yeah, but it's still our baby. But we still beat teen pregnancy. It's not a human. The same rules don't apply. We're making up our own rules. Apparently, two plus two doesn't equal four in Wyatt's mind. Not always. But I can give you the uh, closed solution for all Pythagorean triples if you'd like. I had to prove that over the weekend. That was fun. Why? Gross. No. No, thank you. I'd rather Number talk about fun. sports. Sports like some college basketball, MLB, and AAF stuff. Okay, that's fine. I'd much rather talk about that than Pythagorean triples anyway. I, I would agree. We're going to start by talking about some Cyclones women's basketball. It was another. It was a pretty solid week for women's basketball. It started off with they, uh, they crushed Oklahoma on the road in Norman for a game that inexplicably uh, started at uh, 10.30 in the morning on a weekday. Don't really know why... College basketball games are starting at 10.30 in the morning on weekdays. So I never got an explanation for that. So the explanation that I found was it was uh, it was a school day for children at the basketball game. So generally, Iowa State does this, but they do this not in Big 12 conference play. Right, they usually but- do this at the beginning of the year in either a uh, in a warm-up, a warm-up game or an exhibition game or in the preseason. But Oklahoma apparently did it. Uh, during the middle of Big 12 conference play. So there were a, over a couple thousand elementary and middle school kids in attendance at the game. There are that many kids in Oklahoma, period? In Norman, yeah. It's not that far of a drive from Oklahoma City, too. That's fair. So, But, I mean, yeah, I get that. But even when the Cyclone women do that, the game started at 1 instead of 10.30, which seems a lot more reasonable. I don't know. The kids needed to be home in time for lunch. But why not do it after lunch? Like at 1? Because then yeah. they're asleep. What? Well, no. so if they did it at one, most schools generally get out between two thirty and three o'clock. At, so at, then sometimes, or they could be potentially going past school at the hours. high school level. But like the elementary schools, they go to like four or four thirty. No, I think it's the other way around. I think the high schools go to did, later. Did they they? I know. I know for a fact my elementary school got out at three thirty in the afternoon. My I, elementary, well, our public elementary schools got out at like 4.15. I came from a smaller town and all three of our elementary, middle, and high schools all got out at 3.30. Because you probably all rode the same bus. <laughs> hey, we weren't that small. <laughs> Alright, everybody hop on one bus we'll get you all back home. No. One bus for the entire school district? We had a bunch of buses. How many is a bunch? More than two? one. Hey, <laughs> hey, more than two. More than one is two. That's true. That's true. Anyway, to get us back on track, they crushed Oklahoma at the 10:30 a.m. tip in Norman, which was good. And then they had the uh, big game that on Saturday against Baylor, and unfortunately, uh, we could not get it done against Baylor. There was some there was some tense moments in that game. I uh, I yelled a lot at the uh, officiating crew and things like that. Uh, Coach Fenley actually got a technical foul, which I have never seen before. Wow! Yeah, he he was very he was one or two words away from getting tossed out of that game. He came all the way out to center court to yell at an official. I okay, so I don't think I've ever seen Coach Finley that upset, and I was 
in the uh, women's pep band for two years, my first two years here. And he was a pretty docile individual, usually on the sidelines, pretty level-headed, calm, cool, collected, and unless something egregious happened, yeah. and then he'd raise a little bit of a ruckus. But mm-hmm. yeah, the technical is kind of a culmination of yeah. uh, of multiple yeah. no calls, as, and then Bridget got hacked on a layup, yep. and there was no call. And as Oak, as a, as Baylor was dribbling the ball up the court, he was basically out at center court yelling at the official who didn't make the call, and he got teed up pretty quick for it. And well, he was still yelling. Generally, you can't have six players on the on the court at one time. I mean, he's not a player; he's a coach. Yeah, they still could. Generally, just can't have a coach on the floor. Period. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. Uh, outside of that, uh, Hilton was really loud. There were a ton of students there. It was great to see that. But in the end, Baylor's shooting, their size, especially they had two two bigs who were ginormous and physical down there playing, and it was top and then their defense their on the ball defense was insane so a lot of what Iowa State's offenses revolved around this year is the fact that Bridget Carlton can get free on drives forcing defenders to come into the lane and help and leaving her with a lot of passing lanes open to either bigs for layups or out to shooters for threes but Baylor had one defender who was able to take Bridget Carlton one-on-one with ease which right, meant she didn't have anywhere to pass the ball to. We didn't have open shooters. And part of that was what contributed to the fact that the Cyclones went 5 of 27 for 3, shooting about 18 19% from 3, which you're not going to beat anybody if you shoot that poorly. The Cyclone women aren't going to beat anybody if they shoot that poorly from 3, much less the number one team in the nation. So that's what really got them is they couldn't get open shooters, and when they did, they couldn't make their shots is really what did them in. But it was a solid effort. I will, It was a solid effort by the uh, Cyclone women, and frankly, Baylor's number one for a reason, and they've only lost once this year, so losing to Baylor at home is not that embarrassing of a loss. So probably still be ranked when uh, when the poll comes out on Monday, but we'll have to watch and see to be sure. Um, there's only three regular season games left for the Cyclone women. They have a game at Texas Tech, at Texas, and then they come home a week from Monday to take on the Kansas Jayhawks on Senior Day. So only three games left before they head off to Oklahoma City for the Big 12 tournament. So it'll be interesting to see how the standings shake out. Right now it looks like they'll probably finish anywhere between second and fourth with the game at Texas being the big determining factor of that. They should beat Texas Tech and Kansas. So it's going to come down to whether or not they can beat Texas for uh, how these final standings are going to shake out. They could get as high as that two seed. Being the two or three seed would be big because it means you wouldn't have to play Baylor until the final of the Big 12 tournament if you got there instead of having to play him in the semifinal. So it'd be good if they could end up as that two or the three instead of the four seed. And that game at Texas is going to be huge to determine that. But even though the uh, week for the Cyclone women was somewhat successful, couldn't get the big win, but they played decent. The uh, week for the Cyclone men, on the other hand, was not at all successful. Uh, Two games, two big games, as we talked about last week that uh, the Cyclones really needed to win to keep themselves in Big 12 title contention. And they lost them both. They were close games, but they still lost them both. Four-point loss versus Baylor, and then a three-point loss at TCU. Just, frankly, unacceptable losses if you want to be a Big 12 title contender. You can't lose to teams like Baylor and TCU at home. 
if you want to be a Big 12 title contender. And yeah, it was just some embarrassing performances. Kyle, you want to talk a little bit more about those performances? Well, you can just kiss any hopes of a Big 12 title goodbye, especially with Texas's or Texas Tech's win against KU uh, yesterday and K-State still playing well. Uh, it, it's just absolutely disappointing. The Cyclones had themselves in a position. They've won big games, including a big win against Kansas State on the road, but then they essentially come back and lay a dud in Hilton. And I, I don't understand how they can play better on the road against a team that that had beat them previously at home in Hilton in reference to K-State and then come back and lose at home to Baylor, which a stat for all of our listeners out there, Iowa State is only is has only won two games in their last 10 tries against Baylor. Two. That is a horrible percentage. They can't figure Scott Drew and the freaking Baylor Bears out at all. That zone defense and length absolutely decimates the Cyclones. And that's the, it's something that we've been seeing and is finally catching up to them is the Cyclones offense is horrendous against the zone and they can't rebound at all. Iowa State was out-rebounded, I believe, by 16 or 17 against Baylor. That is absurd. You're playing at home and you can't be physical enough to go and get an offensive or get a defensive rebound or even be in line to get an offensive rebound and get position when Baylor is absolutely taking it to you. That is 17 more offensive possessions that Baylor had than Iowa State did. And if you look at that, Iowa State had a much better shooting percentage against Baylor than or in the game. They outshot them from the field, from three, from two, and it, it boggles my mind, and you lose by four because you can't get a freaking rebound at all. There were times where there was a breakaway and a missed shot. Great, they missed a shot. And nobody went to get the rebound and allowed Baylor to get a second chance point, an easy bucket, or run run off more time on the clock. In a team that is based off of how many possessions you can get in a game and how efficient your offense can be, since our defense is awful, you can't give extra possessions to run time off the clock to opposing teams. I'm beginning to question how far this team can actually make a run in the tournament now because one of the key things is all of these teams that are going to be in the tournament, you know they're going to be fighting for a rebound. Are we going to want it? You gotta. We have to figure that out. The, the Big 12 tournament is going to be very interesting as the push for that happens. Iowa State plays Oklahoma looking forward. Oklahoma on Monday night. Uh, and then they will be on the road at Texas on Saturday, on the road at West Virginia, and then back home against Texas Tech. And Texas Tech is positioned themselves in uh, in second place in the Big 12 right now, so that's going to be a hard game on senior night. We'll see if the Cyclones will come out and lay a dud in Hilton again. Oklahoma's no no easy win. Barely got a win against them on the road in Norman. It, they're... It just boggles my mind how there's a lack of fight in this team. And settling, or in a tweet that I saw from George Condit after the TCU game yesterday, he said that the team is shooting around 50% from two-point range, from inside of the arc, and the team's still jacking up threes. 
why not? It, there's a recipe for success there. If you're doing something well, pound the ball inside or get get looks from inside of the three point arc. You can get a wild, like jacked up three at any point in the shot clock. And that's a quote from Mike from watching the game yesterday on Saturday. You can get that shot anytime on the shot clock. Don't take it when there's 28 seconds left on the shot clock. Don't do it. That It's not a recipe for getting more possessions in a game, and it's not a recipe for uh, shooting a higher efficiency from the field and putting yourself in a position to win a game. And that's something the Cyclones aren't doing right now. So two losses for the Cyclones are clearly going to drop them out of the rankings. Uh, we're going to fall from 18 all the way to unranked, and we'll see if the Cyclones will make it back into the rankings before the end of the season. Uh, that's to be determined. But right now, as the Big 12 uh, conference title race is shaping out, uh, it's kind of uh, a four a four team race at this point between Baylor, Texas Tech, KU, and K State. Texas Tech put themselves a leg up this weekend as they absolutely throttled KU. That game wasn't close in at all. Lubbock. I don't know who else was very excited to see that score, but I loved seeing KU get absolutely destroyed by Texas Tech. I thought that was a great final score to see, as I don't ever like seeing KU win, seeing as I never root for them in the NCAA tournament. And uh, so K-State, they also took it to Oklahoma State this weekend, winning by almost 40. Uh, that game wasn't close. So between K-State and Texas Tech, Texas Tech has a pretty easy road. Uh, looking ahead in their schedule, they play a home game against Texas. I believe they play at they play at TCU and then they play at Iowa State. So depending on that at how at Iowa State shakes out, um, they could be in a very good position to uh, win the Big 12. But right now they are still one game back uh, behind K State. Now K State goes on the road tomorrow night. I say tomorrow, so Monday night. At 8 p.m. Central Time, you'll be seeing K-State in Lawrence taking on their in-state rival Jayhawks, uh, and it appears as if K-State only has a 28% chance to win that game, according to the ESPN predictor. Uh, so that'll be an interesting game. Uh, so if KU does beat K-State, then Texas Tech is, again, in a driver's seat to uh, potentially win the Big 12. Um, K-State's remaining games are... Did you have that up do you remember off the top of your head so besides at uh, KU K-State's three remaining games are at home against Baylor at TCU and at home against Oklahoma so they also have a fairly easy I would say uh, K-State and Texas Tech have a uh, about the same percentage chance to win out of their remain like in their remaining games uh, with each other um, maybe K-State having a tougher road as they have to go to Lawrence uh, on Monday night. So we'll see how that shakes out. And just overall in the AP Top 25, it was a week of decimation for teams ranked in the Top 25. Villanova lost twice in the week, Villanova being ranked 17 in the AP poll, and that's their third loss in, the, in a row, so I don't know what's happening with Villanova. Uh, Duke looked absolutely discombobulated without – uh, Zion Williamson on the court he missed he blew out his shoe I don't know if any of you saw that uh, picture uh, it was a Paul George shoe if any of you are if any of our listeners are curious um, so the the Zion Williamson effect is in full force just going to show how much he means to a team will he be shut down for the rest of the year that is still undecided 
Uh, can Duke play without them? Maybe. They beat Syracuse um, in a game that they needed to win in order to stay in contention for the ACC title. Uh, Virginia rolled. Louisville took two losses this week. LSU lost to Florida earlier in the week, but came back and beat Tennessee, which had come off of a loss uh, in its previous week to Kentucky. So Tennessee loses a second game in a row. Um, and there was just a lot of massacre of teams that went down this week that ranked in the top 25, top five, Nevada went down or top six, Nevada went down. Um, Michigan went down on Sunday to Michigan state. So it, there will be a big shakeout or shake up in the, uh, AP poll as it comes out tomorrow around 11 o'clock Eastern or 11 o'clock central, uh, 12 o'clock Eastern, and we'll see uh, what shapes up and kind of how everything will begin to shake shape up in the NCAA, NCAA tournament, and we'll get a little bit clearer of an understanding of where teams might be seeded going forward. But speaking of the tournament, I just want to get your all or you guys' thoughts. Where do we think Iowa State is going to end up landing in the tournament coming up now with these two losses. As far as seeding or as far as game location, I assume you seeding. Mean seeding. I game location. I don't really care at this point. I mean, we just need. I'm a sure good you want to go somewhere warm. Yes, I am done with the cold. <laughs> Please send us somewhere warm. But yeah, I think we'll, I think mm, a five seed or six is probably the lowest we'll end up. Barring an absolute collapse, I think a five is probably what I would predict for Iowa State. I don't know about you, Wyatt. Yeah, I was thinking a four. Uh, I think we can get our, our stuff back together over these next two games at Hilton and uh, get looking pretty for, for the, the tournament. I, a f- I think a four is very generous. I think the only way we can get a four is potentially winning out mm-hmm. and then making a deep run into the Big 12 tournament. That's the only way I see us getting back to a four. Right now, I yep. see us on the border between a five and a six. I see us in the bottom two slots of a five or the top two slots in a six. I don't, I, I can't envision the Cyclones falling to a seven, uh, but I think a five or a six is where they're going to end up unless they win out their remaining games, which is not going to be easy uh, based off of what we've seen from them in the past couple of games. So, Yeah, it'll certainly be interesting to see uh, how the season shakes out. Hopefully the Cyclones can get uh, get back on track as the uh, season goes on and we'll find ourselves making a nice NCAA tournament run, which would be, would be a lot of fun to watch. And yeah... We uh, made a quick reference to this earlier, but you heard it from us last week. And last week, I last week I was defending the weather because I was like, "It's it's it's not that bad." I mean, it's the Midwest. What do you expect? And then and then Saturday happened into Sunday, and it's awful. And now I am officially pissed off about the weather too. We got we had a basically a blizzard in Ames Saturday night into basically all day Sunday. It was basically a blizzard. It was there, a blizzard. There are four or five there are four or five foot drifts of snow around. Parking lots are disasters. Roads are sheets of ice. You Highways can, are closed. Yeah, as as of this recording, <laughs> Highway thirty five north of Ames is closed all the way up to Oatana still and will be closed through tomorrow morning. Monday morning, that is, and it's it's just ins- this is the this is the worst winter storm that I have experienced in my lifetime, and I grew up in Minnesota, so that's saying something. I do not remember a worse winter storm than what we had here over the last twenty four hours, 
And the weather for the next 10 days, the highest temperature it's supposed to get is 22 degrees. So we're not going to see much of any of this melting over the next few days either. So I'm, yeah, this, this snow and ice is just around to stay for another two weeks. Basically, it's going to be until spring break where this stuff might finally melt. And yeah, it's just not, not going to be fun. Not looking forward to it. But it is what it is, so we move on. Maybe we won't have school on Monday because the roads are still closed. <laughs> yeah, right. Silver uh, lining, right? I, Look for a silver lining. That ain't going to happen. There's no way. Can somebody call up Windy Winter's team? Be like, yo, Madam President, can yeah, we please not have school? Got her on this speed, is ridiculous. Got her on speed dial. Yo, Windy, why did you make it so windy today? Hey, hey so that was bad. These were the... This is probably the worst driving conditions I've ever been in in my six years of driving. Like, I've had really bad rainfalls to drive through where I can't see in front of me, but I, at least I know that I still have traction on the ground, that I'm not driving through, like, a lake or a swamp on the ground. The entire way back last night, so I was in a wedding, or, or I was at a wedding about an hour and a half south of Ames last night, and I drove through right during the heart of the storm You should have just much. stayed there. It, you should have just stayed in there. In the middle of nowhere, Iowa? Yep. Find a, uh, find a motel, man. It, it, I had the fear of just driving on an absolute sheet of ice while the wind is blowing, and there are times where I couldn't see I couldn't see 500 feet in front of my car. And then uh, we made the uh, great decision to try and make a truck back to Des Moines today, and in some cases I couldn't even see 10 to 50 feet in front of my car with the wind whipping it around. There was a six-foot drift in the middle of uh, I-35 South uh, that claimed the or claimed at least six or seven vehicles off to the side, and there's there that has since grown. I saw a video from a KCCI reporter who drove through there, and that ex- same spot where we saw that drift, there were twenty cars. Oof! So people, it it was hard to see. I came up on it and I had to swerve. Yeah, and don't don't be driving. At least basically. I had traction, so don't go out. Don't don't drive on any highways, at least. While I agree, I'm also pissed off about the weather. I already voiced voiced my disdain for that last week, but today I'm also gonna be pissed off about the weather, of course. But also the Cyclones men basketball team, man, they just they're really letting me down, and I'm kind of pissed off on the lack of what appears to be the lack of synergy for lack of a better term on on the court it really really grinds my gears and i want to see them doing things that they're capable of doing which is not what they're doing right now however i am super pumped about mlb opening day here in about a month now i'm excited how how excited it's very excited very okay i was kind of upset cuz the uh, uh, spring training game Cubs and Brewers was not televised. I wanted to watch that. I think that was the only game, only spring training game that wasn't televised this past week, which was a little upsetting. But I'm still super pumped. I'm excited. Yeah, so uh, spring training games have started for pretty much everybody. We have had uh, some games in the Cactus League down in Arizona that have been uh, postponed because of rain or even some snow they've had down in Arizona. So a uh, little bit of a rough start off for the Cactus League, but at least I know the Grapefruit League is uh, off and running. And we also had some uh, big news in free agency, too. Uh, Manny Machado, finally, on, was it Monday? I think it was Monday. It was either Monday or Tuesday. Must have been Monday. No, Tuesday. It was, I think it was Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah, 
Yep. Finally uh, signed uh, with the San Diego Padres. A little bit of a wild card team there. Not where I expected him to go. But 10 years, $300 million with the uh, terms of his contract. So right about where a lot where most people were projecting him to get when uh, when free agency started. It just took him a long time to get that number. So, I mean, it's good. I'm glad that free agents are starting to move. I'm upset that it took this long. Again, I hate that it's starting into camp for these free agents to sign. But, I mean, it is the way it is, and I'm glad that uh, – that baseball is starting and that we're getting players in camp where they belong. So who's worth $30 million a year? Is, is he worth $30 million a year for the next 10 years? It, into years 8, 9, and 10, is he still going to be the same player? Is he going to be worth paying $30 million a year? Is that going to be absolute dead money? I know you mentioned on his contract he has, is it is it a team buyout or is it a player option after year five it is a player option after year five so yeah there's there's that in the contract but i i don't know they're they're paying a lot of position players and i i still think that the padres overspent on eric hosmer when they gave him seven years 144 million and that's a lot of dead wasted money in my opinion for a player who has been who is every other year is finally an above average, like above replace or uh, wins above replacement. Uh, he finally has that every other season, but in the other, in the other seasons, the odd seasons when he is it, uh, he isn't playing very well. He's not doing great at all. Last year he was hitting below two hundred, which nobody wants to be playing a or paying a player. Seven years, a hundred over a hundred million in order to hit under sub two hundred for a team. That's not that's not what a player should be worth. But in free agency, you still have Craig Kimbrell who is in sign and Bryce Harper who also hasn't signed with the team. Bryce Harper could sign as early as Tuesday potentially. Uh, Philly is the one who's the most interested. Uh, it's been reported that San Diego still isn't out of the sweepstakes, even though I'm I'm not sure where they can get the rest of their money from to actually pay them that much. Um, there is no salary cap, obviously, but you just I can't imagine that a team has much more money to pay um, another player another ten years, three hundred million, which is what Harper is probably looking for. So it'll be interesting to see where he. Lands. Craig Kimbrell did come out and say that he is not going to sit out for a year, so he will sign with the team. It's just how soon, and he is already behind the eight ball as pitchers and catchers have been there for a while. So it might be a case in which you might not see Craig Kimbrell on opening day. He might have to take a week or two in order to get up to speed. Yeah, but I think I think this next week will be the big week for free agents to go. Marwin Gonzalez also signed this past week with the Twins, two years, $21 million. So the market's starting to heat up. Irvin Santana signed. So I think this next week will be big, and we'll get start to see these names come off the board, which will be good. So that'll it's, be good. It'll be a race between the Twins and the Indians for the AL Central uh, now as the Twins look, look to be going all in for the season. Yeah, and they can they can get some players at the trade deadline as well to help fill in. 
So here's the interesting thing. So since Marwin Gonzalez is such a super utility player, right? He can play first base. He can play all of the infield positions and all of the outfield positions in theory, though he's not very good in center. So really he can, he can do everything in, but pitch and catch. And the Twins already have a player on the 40-man roster, Willens Astadio, who can play every position except shortstop and center field. And his primary position is catcher. So you could have the interesting scenario this year where the Twins at some point could conceivably go with 14 pitchers and only 11 position players because you'd only need those two players on that bench and you'd have backups at every position just with those two players. So it'd be really interesting to see if that ends up happening for the Twins this year. I'd never seen a team go with 14 pitchers before. So it'd be really interesting to see if the Twins do that. I'll be Which, keeping an eye on that. That would be really big for a bullpen, especially. You're not going to carry more than five rotation pitchers, which because you can pull guys from the bullpen to start, but then you're going to have a bullpen that can go great distances in games, and you don't have to worry about ever exhausting your bullpen in long weeks. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think I like the signing. I think it was good. I think it was strange that it happened this late. I would have thought it would have happened earlier if the Twins were going to go get him, but the rumors started to pick up steam on Wednesday and Thursday, and then on Friday they finally got the signing, so that was good. I, I was happy to see that on Friday. But normally with spring training starting, there's no football to talk about, but with the new AAF, uh, we've definitely got uh, football to talk about. So, uh, Wyatt, you want to give us a uh, AAF update? Keep us informed on what's going on there. You betcha. The Alliance of American Football. So th- this past week, week three, uh, not a whole lot happened, to be quite honest. The most interesting thing was on Saturday afternoon, kind of had the first upset, quote-unquote, of the season, where the Salt Lake Stallions beat the Arizona Hotshots 23-15. The Hotshots have been up undefeated in week one and week two. Um, but also, we had on Saturday the Apollos beating the Memphis Express 21-17. These are all kind of weird scores again because the AAF doesn't allow one-point conversions after after a touchdown. You're forced to go for two every time. It's just not a thing. So it's kind of interesting. We also had the Birmingham Iron, which are really good, uh, beat the Atlanta Legends. Nothing crazy there. And the fleet knocking off the, the San Ann Commanders just this evening, recording on a Sunday. So that leaves the current standings uh, in the West and East Division. East being the Iron and Apollos, 3-0 and in the league, which is uh, the best right now out of both divisions. And then the Legends and Express, 0-3 and in the, the league. I, I say league, but I mean the alliance because it's, not a, it's, it's kind of a league, but it, it's an alliance, you know? Uh, so that's kind of an interesting dichotomy with two teams in the East having the best uh, the best records, and the other two teams in the East having the worst records. In the West, we have the Commanders and the Fleet, 1-1, one one. Hot Shots, 2-1, and one, and the Stallions, 1-2. and two. That's what I got for AAF. So, but is the AAF going to survive? Don't they have financial trouble with I... paying their players? No, they They do weren't not. able to make payroll after it was week a, one. It, it was a clerical error, uh, according to the AAF, which I'm not sure how much credibility that is. But they've been making payroll for the past two weeks. Uh, they missed week one, yeah, but that was apparently an administrative error. Whoever was in charge of payroll was fired for that and replaced by somebody else. Well, I hope so. <laughs> you they, just they can't got that play, taken you care just of. can't like not pay your players and then hope to keep your job. You're right. I mean, it, the AEF was started as a business venture, like almost anything is nowadays. So uh, they, uh, the initial investors, put forth upfront costs to get the team started, branding done, all all the hard work out of the way to show that this is a profitable. 
a profitable venture for other potential investors to, to put their money into. So I think they had only planned on being able to survive for one or two weeks initially and then pick up investors uh, to keep the league going. And now with the, the, the buyout, who, who purchased that? $250 million, or 200 or $250 million buyout by a hockey no, was it a hockey? Yeah, yeah, he owns a hockey, hockey team. Yeah, and I don't remember his name. Uh, I forget his name as well, but I think he owns an NHL team. And that money, Mike's, Mike's fact checking us right now. <laughs> Please do. Uh, that money that he put forth to buy the entire league, which was just a few few hundred million dollars, which doesn't sound yeah. like a lot, but in comparison, most NFL teams being purchased, just the teams themselves, not the league, is upwards of, of a few billion dollars yeah two $250 million to tom dodon the owner of the carolina hurricanes was the oh, sale. carolina not california sorry mm. fam <laughs> so the, that, that the money other shot. the other side of the continental united states that money is projected um alone with no other earnings just that money that he purchased the the alliance with should carry them through the rest of this entire season uh the postseason playoffs and the championship game and that's not like that's not even including the other revenue streams that they'll have coming forth as well. Well, and they're they're still not going to be gaining as much money because they're not televised on on public or channels that you're going to get with your regular cable package. So they're already losing losing viewership through that. And I don't know how many people are going to run want to run ads for that game, or or well, I guess they're not running ads, but like actually sponsor it when they're not going to be televised on on networks that you see on a regular package. So, yeah. You can get for cheap for a month. That's true. Um, was it CBS? CBS Sports so Nets C- taking CBS, on some of the games? Yeah, there's Sports Network, yep. and then there's... Uh, the uh, NFL Network's picking up some games. NFL Network, which you have to pay for. But yep. So, CBS, it's their, it's their sub-network. It's not mm-hmm. CBS Primetime. Now, they did have two games on Primetime, but those are just for the first two weeks to try and gain interest in the league. I think they do have interest. In the alliance. They, they definitely do have interest in the alliance, just from a public standpoint. I'm not sure what the the ratings are right now as of week three. I'm sure those will be coming out later this week. Um, but so far, I think they've been successful, and I honestly think this is going to take off um, in comparison to the XFL, which was the other league in most recent history that, that spawned uh, after the NFL. I mean, San Antonio has been having good game attendance. Mm-hmm. They've been selling a lot of tickets yep. in the Alamo Dome. So, I mean, they have a great venue for it. They do. They do. I think I honestly think the Alliance is going to take off and be around for a while. It'll be interesting to see if it grows, too, eventually, to more than just eight teams. And it I, might. It, it's it's going to have to really take off significantly in order for it to. And then at that point, it can only really grow by twos, obviously. You're going to have to grow, and you have to figure out if you're going to throw one in each each league so in each the east and the west or if you try and expand by four every time and throw two in each so i kind of have a a very futuristic hot take which is the xfl is coming back in in 2020 uh with eight eight more teams i think for the the league the xfl and honestly i don't see that lasting more than one season again just like it did back in 2001 so i see that league the xfl dissolving again at the conclusion of its uh 2020 season where a few of those teams that were in the XFL are going to migrate over to the AAF. Um, at least two or maybe four of those teams coming in. So I think that's going to leave some room for expansion. And the biggest reason, reason why I think that is because the XFL is poised to be an NFL replacement rather than a supplement. The AAF is there to kind of facilitate uh, the NFL with some rule changes and bringing up more players. 
um, kind of like a triple A league would be in MLB or something, um, rather than competing directly with the NFL. And the, and the AF kind of sort of has the NFL's blessing as well. Uh, like I said, they're airing some of the AF games on the NFL Network, which they definitely would not do for the XFL. Um, but I think it's going to be really interesting to see where this this alliance goes in the next next couple of years. You know what's interesting to see is what NFL owners do in the offseason, specifically a Super Bowl champion NFL owner and what he's been doing in Florida recently. What did he do in Florida, Kyle? Please inform me. Well, he didn't really want to stay he wanted to be in the news more, uh, so and he did that in a big way. He was. I mean, bust- I'm not sure he wanted to be in the news for this. Well, he wanted another ring, so he got a prostitution ring. Uh, I mean, he, it wasn't his prostitution ring. That, that's that's fair. But he, he went did- to a massage parlor in Florida. I think it was in Florida, yeah. wasn't it? And uh, had uh, the in the massage parlor there was a happy ending. And he was caught along with a lot of other high-profile businessmen. Yeah, um, a lot of them. Yeah. Quite a few. Quite a few. Quite a few. Uh, got caught up in that and are being charged with uh, crimes related to to that. It's not good. Not good. That's Bro. on the list of things football owners shouldn't do. <laughs> I mean, Robert Kraft is at a very interesting couple of months. First, he gets... he Well, he kisses his prized possession on the lips mouth to mouth that's tom brady if for those of you who didn't didn't catch that post on the 8311 cast instagram go and check out our instagram page for that that post uh made right after the super bowl but he he's also um been doing some other things that he shouldn't so we'll 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 see if he can keep himself out of trouble uh going forward and if he can actually be a good nfl owner so in synopsis, things not to do as an NFL owner. Number one, don't get busted in a prostitution ring. That seems fair. Do you know what else tells you things that you shouldn't do? What? Rules. Rules? Do you know what I like to inform people about? Oh, stupid rules. Amazing and awesome rules. Is this a hockey rule? Yes, it That's is a, a hockey stupid rule. rule. No, see, I also, learned... Oh, 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 oh. I went to an Iowa Wild game just a few days ago, which I don't, I don't watch hockey. I just happened to get tickets. And we went... And the, we, we were pre- pretty close to the ice. It was awesome. And there was a huge scuffle in front of the goal. And I see the puck fly up. And this guy hits it. So then I yell, that's, that's, that's a high stick. That's high sticking. And they didn't call it. And I was so disappointed. But I was, I was pretty pumped because I knew that was a rule. You know what you could pretty much do outside in Iowa right now? Skate anywhere and play hockey. Yeah, we could like yeet can, up a hockey I, rink just I, in the parking lot. Yeah, stupid now. rules. Go. Yeah. So <laughs> we we were hoping that we would take enough up enough time talking about it so that you would run up out of time. I and was, time. I was gonna keep doing baseball rules, but then I learned a new hockey rule myself while I was watching hockey this weekend. Slash on Friday is when I learned it. Ladies so. and gentlemen, you've heard it here first. There is there is always room to learn new things. Mm-hmm. That is true. So normally when um, the goalie stops the puck, right, so like catches it in his glove or gets it in his pads, right, so that's a stoppage of play, and normally the faceoff is in um, the, the defensive zone, right, of the goalie who stopped the puck, right? But oftentimes, you know, after, you know, puck's getting tipped at the net and little squabbles like that, right, you'll see it where... You know, you get just a little bit of, you know, players starting to hug each other, getting in, you know, little phrase like that, right? So what I learned is that if one of the um, play, so if one of the offensive teams 
defensemen come down to join that little scuffle that sometimes ensues, they will move the face off to outside of the offensive zone in those cases, which I didn't know. So that's why you'll never see the offensive defensemen getting involved in those scuffles under normal circumstances, because um, if if that happens, then you'll have the uh, then you'll have the faceoff moved out. So uh, yeah, so that was an interesting rule. I learned it for the first time. So there you have it. Your amazing and awesome rule about hockey for the week. Wow, I'm glad that's over. <laughs> hey, you know you enjoyed it. You know what else is over? My chance of winning the write that down predictions for this year. Probably. And you'll hear why during this accountability session. It was another great accountability session. We had four predictions come off the board. The first one was from Kyle's last week where he said Dean Wade will miss at least two games. He missed zero games. So for that, Kyle could say, They should have held him out. (laughs) The next one to come off the board was that the Cyclones will lose at most one of their remaining games. We talked about earlier, and that was by Josh. We talked about earlier that the Cyclones lost both games this week. So for that prediction, Josh gets a nah. Next one to come off the board was another one from Kyle. He said the uh, Cyclones men's basketball team would have 14-plus conference wins with our losses this week. That is now a mathematical impossibility. So Kyle will get a nah. Nah. And I had one come off the board as well. I said two weeks ago that the Cyclones will lose at most one more game. Since then, they lost a road game at TCU, and they lost at home to Baylor, which, and since two is uh, more than one, I get a nah. nah. So you and Josh essentially had the same prediction. Just made it different Except, times. And about different teams. I said oh, about Cyclone women. Right. He said it about the Cyclone right. men. Sorry. So no, not Sorry. the same prediction. Sorry. Different teams. You're bad. Ha ha. I am bad at the write that down predictions. Let's see you if you are. get better this week. What's your prediction? Uh, so the the cold has uh, claimed my car in recent years and in recent weeks. Um, so my prediction is that my car won't start at least twice in this semester before we graduate. I don't know how I feel about this one. You were just having car troubles a few weeks ago uh, where it wouldn't start, which... I think we got that squared away, right? And I don't think that's going to happen it's, again. But it's the thing started is, started ever since. It, it's been starting, but the, the question is: Is something else going to go wrong? And, and I, I, do, I don't know. What year is your car? You don't need to know that. <laughs> ah. Old. Is it older than mine? It's it's as old as I am. <laughs> okay. All right. So ninety-seven. Young. What? I'm young. You're young, but your car's old. No. Yeah. My car's young. No. Fake news. I'm I'm kind of I'm leaning I wanted to say a single because I was like well obviously we fixed that one issue right but then I I didn't take into account that other things are going to happen so I'm gonna give you a double I don't know what Mike thinks about it double's fine with me yeah that seems legit we'll give him a double for that okay all right I'm into it all right so my prediction for the week is that after this uh, very disappointing season for the University of Minnesota men's basketball team that the university will fire. Coach Richard Pitino at the end of this season. How long has he been there for? Six years. Yeah. This is his sixth year. They have one NCAA tournament appearance. They were five, one, maybe two. I think it's just one NCAA tournament appearance. They were a five seed. They lost in the first round. 
I mean, logically, it makes sense to fire him. They but... do have an NIT championship under Patino, but that's an NIT championship. Who cares about an NIT championship? That's essentially getting a participation trophy. <laughs> 69th best team in the nation is what being the NIT champion means. So. Nice. That doesn't mean anything nice. Uh, Either a single or a double. I said I wrote down double earlier. It seems pretty likely to me. Double's fine. That's or cool. they could also just say, hey, he's mediocre enough. Let's keep him. That's We're not going to get anybody That's better. That's fair. Double's cool. Cool for me. All right, Wyatt, what do you got? I have that it will be above 60 degrees Fahrenheit as a high in Chicago on the Cubs opening day on March 28th. Now, just for clarification, the Cubs actually aren't playing in Chicago on their opening day. They'll be down in Texas, I think. Um, but ju- just for... I have a little chart here that shows the average temperature on March 28th for Chicago. If you guys want to take a look at it here, basically it's probably not going to happen. It's very unlikely that it's going to be above 60 degrees in Chicago, but I really want it to happen because it's cold as hell in Iowa. And if it's going to be warm somewhere, Chicago's is probably the nearest major city where I want it to be warm. So even though the game is being played in Texas, you're saying on the game day, the high in Chicago will be above 60 degrees in Chicago. In Chicago, yeah. Triple? Double? What do you think, Kyle? I mean, do you, do you want to see the chart somewhere? So th- this is the 60-degree line here, and this is how few times. What is that, the that's average? Like, that's like 10%, less than 10% chance. This is the triple. average average temperature. Triple. Stand. All right, triple seems All good right. for me. Cool, cool. All and right. we have Josh coming in with his write that down. All right, um, I write that down prediction regarding the uh, Fig 12 uh, tournament is that the Cyclones will finish above KU. What? what do so you... so I, clar- I went and clarified with him. So Iowa State will, um, w- will go out of the tournament the Big 12 tournament after KU does. So Statistically, State, that should be at least a triple. But after you mean a later round? Yeah, a later a later round because they could lose on the same day. Right, if they, they lose all on, play the on the same day. day, but at a later time, does that Which, count? How does like, placing uh, like results of the tournament, if everyone loses in the same round, are they all placed the same? Or Yes. Yeah, it's a single elimination I, well, tournament. It, yeah. Uh... I guess uh, there's really only a first and second place in the right. tournament. There's first, second, and then third, fourth are the same. They don't play for it. And then and fifth, then sixth, seventh, fifth, eighth. Fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth are all the same. And then ninth, tenth is all I'll the say, same. I'll uh, say ahead or same round and tiebreaker would be that we scored more points than them in the tournament as a total. Okay, so there's a lot more factors in there now. Uh, I mean, we're just we're just breaking ties at that point. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Statistically, Double. that should be at least a triple. Why do you say triple? Why? Because I don't see us. I don't see us faring that well in the tournament. The way we've been playing recently. If we can get our stuff together, I could definitely see that being a double. But I, we just haven't been playing well, at all. I mean, I think Kansas I mean, is playing better than us right now. What is it? That's well, three out of the last five Texas years. Tech? Three out of the last five years, we've won that tournament. That's true. Um, oh boy, I don't know what to do with this. I mean, We're going to say double. one second, one more thing to check before I make my final decision. We need to get some like royalty-free music to play in the interim because yeah, we can't we really do. sing the Jeopardy theme song. Yeah, that that's probably that, that would, frowned upon. I'm sure. Is that, is that ABC? I don't think we can sing any uh, 
any pep band double. music either. No, double. Mike double. says double. I don't know what you were checking, but he, I'm sure he was, he was checking legit. Ken Palm. Ah. For all of our listeners out there, Mike's source for all bas- basketball statistics is the Ken Palm ranking system. Where are we at right now on offense in the Ken Palm? On, on offense, offense or, or overall? overall? Both. Jinx. Uh, 12th in the nation offense, 13th overall, 38th on defense. Okay, interesting. I was more I was more curious about Our offense. defense is... Yeah. yeah, that's fair. And uh, can't rebound. So rebound the basketball. You did a write that down, Kyle. Mike, you did a write that down. I did a write that down, and Josh did a write that down. That's four of them, which I think concludes the write that down segment. Which, correct me if I'm wrong, also is the conclusion of this episode. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the 8311 Cast, episode 20, where yes, we did beat teen pregnancy. Uh, check us out on our social medias, Instagram and Twitter at 8311cast. Hit us up, drop us a line uh, on those social medias or on our contact page, 8311cast.fireside.fm slash contact. Signing off for episode 20 of the 8311cast, we have your hosts, Kyle Mersch, Mike Ludwig, and Wyatt Teeter. We'll talk to you all next week. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones. See you all later. Rebound the basketball. <laughs>